Kotofana Anatomy podcast. This is season one, Basics in Anatomy. And this is episode five, Teaching in Anatomy. And um, I'm again here with Pete. Hi, Pete. Hey, Sebastian. Thank you for being here with me. And today we're going to talk a little bit about teaching in anatomy. And um, teaching in anatomy is... It's to some extent um, a difficult way to to see how anatomy truly reveals because there is so much change going on in teaching anatomy and so many different levels to teach anatomy to that um, it cannot easily be said, well, anatomy is being taught this way or the best way to teach anatomy is this way. So let me give you a quick introduction into this. By levels of teaching in anatomy, I mean there are different learners. For instance, I teach at a medical school and there are students of different specialties and um, all of them need basic anatomy in terms of, and some of them you need to start with histology, embryology, and they need to start with learning about the bones and bony features, muscles, muscle function, innovation. It's kind of really covering the basics, which is good because this lays foundation foundation for what is later to come. So this is one group of learners. Then the other group of learners is when they later on come back to anatomy as um, residents or as postgraduates or as attendings and then they still need anatomy but at a different level so their expectations and their needs and their knowledge gaps are different and they have to be differently addressed with different methods with even different types of um, body donors because their needs are different and then there's the third group of learners which is the international society these are experts, professionals, who do the job since years and years and they just need a little bit of guidance. They sometimes even just need a little bit of confirmation. And of course, the way of teaching to those is also completely different. And if you think about in these times where one of the most precious goods that we have available for all humans is time, because Time is one of the very, very few things that you cannot buy. I mean, there's no amount of money that has ever bought a second of time. Is That holds really true. That holds really true. And in these times where time is so spare and so valuable, and especially, and I have to admit, I think this is one of the very, very few things that Corona has brought upon us as a good part, apart from all of the other negative part that this COVID virus gave us is the fact that um, it pushed us into the online world with a very big heart and strong kick. But we realized, especially I realized, I have to admit that, that I can teach anatomy and I can improve clinical practice without traveling. Everybody from around the world, if they want to, they can join me throughout my lectures, throughout my virtual dissections, or they can visit the portal where actually you are currently on and learn anatomy. So it means without having to spend time 
on airports, waiting at gates for boarding, missing the flight, thinking about did my luggage make it, and a lot of things that you don't have to think about when you travel. All of these things, just from your cell phone, from your living room, from wherever you want to access it, you can have it. And I think this is a good thing when you think about the offering that today's technology can have. And this is why we have this portal. And in this portal, you have this podcast and you have lectures and you can revisit previous webinars and you can do a lot of things. You can learn anatomy from anywhere. So I think this is a just a different way to address the different learners that we have today. And apart from the different learners that have to be addressed in a different way, with different knowledge, with different expectations and with different knowledge gaps, there are also different methodologies. And I think, Pete, here you asked me a very interesting question, which took me quite long to figure out how to best answer that. How did it all begin? We're so used to having access to information at our fingertips, but at the beginning, how did one transfer their knowledge of anatomy to anyone else? Yeah. Um, I mean, it started very, very much in the past where actually it started majorly during wars, during the ancient wars, during the world wars. I mean, I mean, plastic surgery started actually in, in the world wars majorly as a reconstructive features and only later um, started to become aesthetics. But um, you just learn on the go and based on the demand. I mean, this is was how you learn certain aspects. And in the ancient wars, um, they also rose the need to understand about disease and illnesses and that drive and that motivation result in the fact that people were starting to look at dead bodies, at injured individuals, or sometimes in the medieval times to, well, look at cadavers to take them or if they were not given to them and then to dissect them, to learn. And then that knowledge was applicable and available only to those who performed those dissections, legally or illegally. And um, only later on, at some point, when people understood, well, well, you need to decriminalize this. I mean, it's for the greater good. Then it started to become available, and then professors arose, and those professors shared the knowledge in great wooden auditoriums without air condition and without refrigeration refrigeration and embalming features and i mean and without electricity and without all of these amenities that we have these days they shared the knowledge and the students were eager to learn and they felt privileged to learn because it was a very very rare good that they were able to see and appreciate it imagine because if you're going to help put somebody back together you at least want that individual to have taken the time to learn where everything goes that is true. Yes, I mean, in the best of all worlds, this is this is how it should be. But um, but the anatomical and the transmission of anatomical knowledge or the sharing of anatomical knowledge was either happening live or as soon as um, books, charts, and paper was available, then um, anatomical drawings and illustrations were made. I mean, I still, I mean, I would love to have one of the originals of Andreas Vesalius um, 
book and there are very few still available, but um, but this is kind of how it started. You look at anatomical drawings and you learn from them if you are not kind of eligible to have the privilege to see one of the dissections of the anatomical professors in the past or of the surgeons that were performing those dissections in the past. But if you think about it, in the past, there were hundreds of people in a large room and I'm not sure their eyesight was so good, especially when the room was so dark, to see these small minute dissections that a professor was performing on the body. I mean, the visibility that you had was not really very good. And I don't know how the learning effect was um, if an evaluation was performed as kind of learning objectives following those dissections in the past. Well, and sitting so far back, there's only so much you are going to see. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And then, um, and then after that, I mean, in-person dissections, then transitioned to um, drawings and to models made of of um, wax or ceramic or of other material. And then at some point, the anatomical dissection was decriminalized and was more available and also body donation was more available and human bodies were available. And that's kind of the time when medical schools got funded and they and the students which were very very privileged also had the opportunity to perform the section themselves so were these first theaters and stuff essentially just in hospitals before schools i mean in the beginning yes in the beginning they were associated with hospitals but at some point when especially in europe when universities were founded a great auditorium was always crucial feature of a university was kind of great lecture hall and i still remember back in my time when i was a student it was like oh the great lecture hall Whoa. and and very rarely i kind of i dared to go down and to stand down in the middle and i was like so impressed i'm and i'm, I'm still thinking if i would have to go back to munich to this huge anatomical auditorium where actually i never gave a lecture um and to being there and to looking up to the hundreds of students that were there, it still gives me the chills because it's it's very impressive. It's a very prestigious thing to be down there and to provide a lecture to the students. Reaching out and connecting online sounds very similar, though, that you can now use Zoom to conduct a, a virtual dissection theater. Actually, this is what we do. I mean, these days, especially in medical school where I'm teaching, this is what we currently do. I mean, I perform pro-sections and then I walk the students through the sections um, online. And um, at the moment, this is only available for students for um, this medical school. But I mean, in the future, I hope that this is available globally, internationally. And then I also hope that, I mean, what my vision would be is that students from all around the world, if they want to learn anatomy, they can learn anatomy and they should not be limited or restricted to the to the needs and to the possibilities that their own university can provide them. Because for instance, there are a lot of universities all over the world where students don't have the possibility to dissect themselves or to not see the anatomy properly because maybe they just don't have the possibility. And why not offer this to the students? Why not offer this to the future 
caretaker of our society, the future physicians. Why not offer it to them? And I think it would be so great if we could utilize technology for the greater good at some point. It's always about advancing everyone's knowledge and sharing that knowledge. That is true. That is true. And this beat kind of um, brings me to this question, which um, which actually I know you asked before. And, and, and I would like to repeat this question to the audience because you asked me very critically because we worked a long time together on... On, on, on some of these transmissions. Maybe you can rephrase the question for the audience. Is dissection and physical in-person dissection the best way to teach? The answer is um, no, it's not. Absolutely not. And the reason is obtaining anatomical competence. This is how we call it today. Obtaining anatomical competence is having anatomical knowledge and being able to apply it. This is kind of anatomical competence. And obtaining anatomical knowledge can be done in multiple ways. You can learn it from books. You can do VR, AR. You can do online. You can do flashcards. You can attend Zoom. You can do a lot of, a lot of things. And amongst those is also you can dissect in person and then obtain anatomical knowledge. But um, from my experience, it is always that either... You're unprepared when you perform the dissections and then you remove some of the structures like you cut nerves or arteries or um, transect muscles because the knowledge is not there. And while doing learning, this is not how it works because when you dissect, you need to focus on removing that fat lobule and that fat lobule and then cutting away that connective tissue to see a structure that's below that. And after you do this, after you stay all day in the anatomy lab, you still have to go home and to learn the anatomy. And I truly think the best way would be learning the anatomy, knowing exactly what to expect, and then performing the dissections. I think this is a great way, but dissection themselves, I don't think this is the way to learn anatomy. I mean, it's, 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 it's a thing that you do. It's a thing that you do, and of course, practical skills also translate into theoretical skills and theoretical skills are kind of not applicable if they're not practically applied. But I, I'm really confident then that anatomical dissections is not the gold standard anymore for learning anatomy. But, and here comes the big but, it, it depends on the level of competence of the learner. So medical students... I truly think that there are better ways to learn anatomy and to obtain anatomical competence than dissections. At later point, however, in residence or even high semester, not, not even year one, maybe even already in year two or not in semester one, maybe already in semester two, after obtaining a certain level of anatomical knowledge, then performing dissections, then yes, this is very helpful and this adds and this provides a great boost in anatomical competence. Of course, when we think about later on about um, attendings and physicians across the world, yes, of course. I mean, once they have the anatomical knowledge, then yes, anatomical dissections is a good way to increase the competence. And again, it's here about anatomical competence, anatomical knowledge. Anatomical knowledge can be obtained in multiple ways. One of those is anatomical dissection, but I personally don't think this is the gold standard. There are a lot of different other ways to obtain a better ability to learn anatomy but 
anatomical competence, which is the applied anatomical knowledge. I think this is best paired with anatomical dissections, but you first need to get there. That's fascinating. This seems to be one of those rare circumstances where the knowledge of anatomy actually may better your dissection skills because once you have a proper roadmap in your mind, you're not focused on the road. You just focus on the driving, which is the dissection. Exactly. Absolutely. Because you already know where you're going. Yeah, that's an excellent comparison. Yes, I like that. That's that's excellent. Yes. And and this is why when, when someone is asking me, is really and dissection is the best way to obtain anatomical knowledge? Of course, immediately I would say no, it's not because you need to have knowledge to be able to dissect. So it's the other way around. And, um, and of course, a lot of schools around the world and a lot of my colleagues, they still believe that anatomical dissection is the gold standard, which is fine. I mean, it's it's totally okay to think that way. It is, um, it's absolutely okay. I think in the past, Blockbuster also thought they would survive until the end. And then Netflix came and Hulu and Prime and all of these other things came. Yes, rip Blockbuster. <laughs> yes, but I mean, yeah, this was the past. I mean, we need to move on and we need to adjust to the new technology that we have. We can use the new technology and we can just move on i mean this is how it is this is evolution and it's for the greater good because it will provide us with better anatomical competence and with more time because just think about the time that students normally spend in a cadaver lab to pick fat this time they can now use for learning which is absolutely fantastic knowing what's coming uh do you just want to give a teaser to everyone about your visions for unfolding the future of what may be here i mean yeah i mean um we have this podcast for which i'm really glad desk that you're asking so many questions and we will answer them bit by bit throughout um this 10 episode series during season one and of course we're going to have courses online courses where you can watch with videos and um, lectures and more videos and more videos and you will have all of this here on the portal which is going to be on demand so which means whenever you need it without having to travel without having to attend specific courses you can be here with us and um, learn anatomy so this is kind of why we have this portal so i think with this pete i hope did I answer all of your questions for today yeah and we're looking forward to getting more questions from the audience <laughs> that's excellent so my dear audience, um, please submit your questions to kotofananatomy.com. And with this, I would like to thank you very much for your attention. Thank you, Pete, for being with me here. Thank you, Sebastian. And then, um, yeah, I will see you next time. Thank you very much for your attention.